Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Oh, it's a great day. And it's a sad day. It's a great day because we get to continue our series in the Is There a Doctrine in the House? Doctrine number 21, God and Faith, basically your choice. It's a sad day because today's the end. Doctrine series ends today. We're ending with your choice. Based on all the information you have, you have a choice to make, right? So uh, looking forward to getting into our next series and uh, whatnot, but today uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, get into kind of the second half of what we started last week. Uh, last week being a uh, doctrine of God's will, and we covered the idea that uh, he has predetermined some things, he has destined some things, um, he's in control, he's sovereign. Uh, and it's kind of kind of a fun question, in fact, I, I did it to someone yesterday, I said, hey, isn't God in control of all things, or does he give you a choice? Ooh, that's a rough one, because they're trying to figure out the answer to the question. Right, And like many questions today in culture, uh, our culture mirrors our creator that a lot of what he's done is not one or the other, both. And so uh, that's what we're going to look at. Uh, what's our choice in this whole thing? And choice, choice really comes down to faith. Um, and so we could have we called last week you know, predestination and we could have called this week free will. And it's like, well, no, God's des- uh, his destination for us is really about his will and his decisions. And then our decisions really should be about faith. Because yeah, there's a lot of other decisions you can make that get you in trouble. Uh, well-made decisions bring us to faith. So that's where we're going. Uh, and we're doing a first today. Our passage is from Deuteronomy. Which I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back, and I like in the history of our church, ten years. By the way, in uh, in October we're having a party. We're gonna be ten years old as a church. We're gonna find a way to have a party. We'll see. You know, there's a lot of time between now and then. A lot of water's gonna go under the bridge. So, uh, but when we get there, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, in that ten years, I don't think we've ever done anything from Deuteronomy. Uh, ooh, let's have a little fun. I uh, found this little passage, and I got really excited about it. So I hope that comes across this morning. You'll feel the energy and the excitement from a uh, goofy guy on stage. Um, but most importantly, that we're going to hear from the Lord this morning. Amen? So let's pray, talk to him, and then we'll get started. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for this idea that we can be totally safe and assured in your level of care and decision about what you want, how valuable we are, and the importance of those around us. At the same time, we can have choice. We can make decisions. You allow us to think and exercise a will. And those seem so contradictory, Lord. I pray this morning you help make sense of it. Pray, Lord, that we would see how they work together, just like you work together with your son. A destination and a will to solve sin and everything that's gone on and a son who had faith and made choices to follow you. He said, not my will, but your will be done. Pray that we would study and learn this morning along those lines. Pray for your spirit to enlighten some things for us, that we might be clear when we walk out of here. 
And we pray uh, all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Scott, you skipped 29 chapters. You're going to try to reference the 30th chapter of a story. How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to do it this, this way. You're going to recognize that in Deuteronomy, the first 29 chapters, they've been explaining a lot. A lot of rules. A lot of ideas. A lot of messages from God. Hey, 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 pay attention to this. Watch out when you do that. Hey, you know, when you do this, this is going to happen. Oh, by the way, when you do this, this is how you're supposed to do it, right? Bunch of instructions in Deuteronomy. Uh, warnings, promises, blessings. And we're getting uh, pretty far into the book. We're getting closer to the end. And, and here comes uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30. And it's kind of it's interesting because, uh, you know, the beginning of the Bible, the first five books, uh, the creation account, all the things that we see that happen um, with Noah and, and all these different characters, you know, God exercises a tremendous amount of control. He says, oh, no, we're not doing that. Let me just flood the planet. We'll restart. <laughs> right? He, he shows a bunch of control. You know, you don't get to do that to your brother. Come here. All right, from now on, this is how it's going to go. Hey, who told you you were naked? All right, stop it. You stand here, you stand here, you stand here. Let me tell you what's going to happen to you, what's going to happen to you, what's going to happen to you. All this control. Then we get to Deuteronomy chapter 30, and you start to feel this other theme come in. You know, previously, God's in control, and every time we make a decision, boy, it's a mess. They ate the fruit. Whoops, killed my brother. Whoops, disobeyed God. Whoops, went after other gods. Whoops, right, all these things. We get to Deuteronomy chapter 30 and this other, um, this other theme that's kind of been in there all of a sudden starts getting pushed to a more prominent position. It's the idea that uh, you have not only the ability but the opportunity to make good decisions. A lot of people think that decisions are just decisions. I get to choose my own destiny, and I am the master of my fate, and that kind of thing. And, you know, what's right for me is may not be right for you, but it's I get to do whatever I want. That's great. If your freedom is your only value, but if you take into consideration all the other things, there might be a, this is better than that. We call this differentiation. Whoa, Scott, that's like a big, are we in college now or something? You know, in psychology, one of the things they measure with, you know, maturity and kids from a young age is when do they start to be able to differentiate, compare and contrast? Well, wait, that's not like this? Remember the old Sesame, thing, Sesame Street? One of these things is... Not like the other, right? That's practicing differentiation. Uh, why do you even get to practice that? God's will. God has willed that you be able to have a will also. There's two wills. I like both of them. They're both nice guys, right? So here we are. Uh, we're going to do about 20 verses or so. Um, I'm sorry, we're going to go to verse 20. So we're about uh, 10 verses, really. Um, and this is uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11 through 20. Here we go. For this commandment that I command you today, 
reference the first 29 chapters. This is what he's talking about. All the stuff I've been telling you, that's my commandment, right? Is not too hard for you. Happy Sunday. I've given you a command. This is stuff you should do. And by the way, it is possible. Remember all the famous show and then the movies and, you know, some guy named Cruz, all the the mission impossible, right? That there's things that are out there just, oh, it could never happen. I'm starting to think they misnamed that show because actually every single time I've watched the show or any of the movies, the mission is completed. None of the missions were impossible. They, they solve every mission. It's actually possible. So I think they should rename the whole thing. Mission possible. Right? Mission impossible implies pessimism. We're all going to die. There's no chance. We're in a lose-lose situation. Is that what God set you up for? Okay, good. We got a, little, we got a few second service people here. Okay, good. No, God set us up for success. He says, I have some things for you. I have some systems in place. I have a will. And by the way, they're easy. How do we mess them up then? Why would he need to say this? If they're easy, why would we need the commands? Right? Like a few good men. Why the two orders? Why the two contradicting orders? It's not too hard for you. Verse 11, middle. Neither is it far off. It's close by, it's reachable, and it's possible. It is not in heaven that you should say, well, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? It's God having a little sense of humor. It's not like someone has to go get it and bring it to you. No, you need not be enabled. You can accomplish it yourself. It was really important for me to say, you need not a pastor. You need not a church. You need not Christian parents. You need not laws in the state to be exactly the way you want them. You need not everything to go your way. All you need is, Mark, that's all you need. You'll be fine. There are other pastors, other churches, other laws, there are other issues. We're going to have a new one in a couple minutes. I'm pretty sure if we just go to the news feed somewhere, there'll be some new issue that pops up. Right? Is that going to be the end all be all of what goes on with us? No. We don't need someone else to get in the way or deliver us. We have Jesus, his finished work on the cross. Here is a commercial for it. This is God prior to the New Testament, prior to Jesus walking on the planet, doing all the things that he did. God saying, this is my nature, which last week would have said, this is my will. My will, my decision about you is for you to have direct access in proximity and capability. Just love that. You should too. Uh, no one's going to have to go get it for you. That's verse 12. Verse 13, Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. Verse 14. 
man, I need to hear that. When I, when I first got involved in the church, when I first started understanding some of the story, when I first was introduced to God the concept, when I first was explained Jesus and his uh, sacrifice for us, his solution to sin, I thought to myself, I am so far off. I am so different. I am such a weasel because I was fairly self-aware about that. There's no hope. I'm so different from that. I mean, there's no way he could like me. I mean, I'm from a divorced family. I'm sure that that disqualifies me somehow. And I, and I know how I've treated my brothers. Should never be forgiven for that. I was the oldest. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can what? It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. Why those two? It's in your mouth and in, in, your, in your heart. Why not? It's in your stomach and your elbow. It's in your hands and your feet. In your heart, what's it saying about you? It's really in my heart too, right? What, do you, what kind of statement are you making about yourself? It's, it's my nature. Like today we would say, it's in my DNA. Nobody really even knows what that means, right? Your mouth, though, that's not about your DNA. Your mouth is where you put stuff into the system, right? It's one of the very few places that you can actually bring something into your body systems, right? You can breathe in with your mouth and your nose, and you can also eat and drink with your mouth. Why would you say mouth? It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. It's in your mouth as in this is something I'm trying to take in continue to take in well wait if it's in my heart and it's in my nature you said it's in my dna scott yes if it's that why would i need to keep taking it in through the mouth we need reminders all we need is about 12 seconds on any news feed to figure out that left on our own we stray the wrong direction and it's on our nature to be right and to recognize right when we see it and to be good but man we get distracted we all get taken over by the shiny, sparkly, ooh, that looks fast and dangerous and fun, and let's go try that. Uh, and it gets us in trouble. But God says, no worries. You know how much trouble you get in, no matter what decisions you make, back to who you are, it's within you. And you should be taking it in regularly. Right? See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. That's kind of interesting. Little, two little combinations, right? The, the last one, death and evil, that's, that's bad, right? What did, he, what did he say right before that? Life and good. We put it before you. Why the two options? We're going to get into that today. We're going to understand why does God give us more than one option. If he's in total control and he's good, why wouldn't he just like put up the little bumper things on the sides of the bowling lane? I love those things. I've never got a gutter ball. Right? Just put up the rails and I'm going to hit something. I want that relationship with the Lord. Yes, and then you'll always be a terrible bowler. 
right? When the when the bumpers come down, and now you got to really try. What kind of bowler do you become? Better. Still below average, but better, right? I've set before you options. If verse sixteen. Oh no! Here, here's where we get in trouble, right? If what is what does if imply? Choice, options, maybe consequences, right? Well, no, why'd we, why'd we all go so dark? Well, it's your fault, Scott. You're leading this thing. You're dark. What's the other direction you could go? What, what, else, what else could if imply? Light. And how would you say that? Like something good? I got a better word for you later when we get to fill-ins, okay? If you obey the commands of the Lord, verse 16, your God, that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways. Walking in His ways? What's implied? If you're going to walk in His ways, what do you have to do prior to walking in His ways? You've got to make a, or a, starts with T, decision. There you go. You've got to make a choice or a decision. By loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, and by keeping His commandments. Boy, is there implied projection right there. And His statutes and His rules. Then you shall, what? Live and multiply. Is that good? One, I get to live. <laughs> I generally call that good. <laughs> and multiply. Is that just how about having offspring? What about multiplying stuff? Multiplying wealth, multiplying blessing on other people, multiplying community. Very interesting. Uh, do we have a responsibility in today's current day and age with the issues that are going on? Do we have a responsibility to be a blessing and multiply the good parts of community? Yeah. How do we do that? That's a topic for another day. Right? But we start with that by making good decisions because God has given us choice. Uh, next slide. And the Lord your God will what? And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession. They're talking to Israel because they're, they're about to head into this relationship with him. But if your heart turns away, there's that if word again, right? Notice he started with the positive. I said, oh, if, what happens if, and we went dark, right? Why? Because we're humans. Like, we're afraid. Oh, no. What, what could go wrong? It will go wrong, right? The famous rule, remember? What's the, what can go wrong will go wrong. What's the name of that rule? Murphy's Law, right? How did that become a law? How did it get a name? How did it get to the point where you all can repeat it? Because there's a part of our nature that says, oh, let's go negative first. Stop it. When you go negative first, it adversely affects you. Studies have shown. I was listening to a report this week. They were talking about when you're a pessimist and assume negative to start, it is proven that you will fulfill your own prophecy. It will be worse. It changes your body chemistry even. Just crazy. But if your heart turns away, he goes positive first, then he goes negative. Heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. If you make a different decision, I declare to you today that you shall surely 
perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over to the Jordan to enter and possess. Whoop. He's saying you got a will. You know what he's saying? He's saying something that we haven't mentioned yet today. It's one of the biggest words in the Bible. And yet it's only five letters. Faith. All this is about faith. And what's being said here is you're going to put your faith in something. We are creatures of faith. We were designed for faith. You were created to believe in stuff. Now the question is, what are you going to believe in? What will you put your faith in? All of you, except for James right now, and myself, have put your faith in a chair. Pretty sure if I sit on this chair, I'm going to be okay. Right? Uh, those of you who are here, I put your faith in if I go to church and wear my mask and do my distancing, I'm going to be okay. It's a safe bet. Those of you watching at home, you made a faith decision too. God give you a brain and science, and if you stay home, you're safer. That's a faith decision as well. Faith is kind of like uh, you, when you walk into the refrigerator. Open the fridge, and you look at something, and you sniff it, and you go, eh, I think I can eat that. Right? I've never understood why everybody in my family brings stuff to the, from the fridge to me and says, Dad... Can you sniff this for me? Why would they do that? Because they have faith in me, and I have more experience, been around longer, and I've ate more bad stuff. <laughs> and I know that that was improper English. I've eaten more bad stuff. Okay? Anyways, um, is that true in our spiritual life? Do we have a God who's been around longer and has been around more bad stuff and we can ask him, put our faith in him? You see, we're animals of faith. We really are. We're animals. This is you got a choice that's positive over here. You got a choice that's negative over here. And by the way, the fact that you even can make a choice is the grace of God itself. I will that you have a will as well. Kind of cool. And very complicated. I declare to you today, you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land, not in the Jordan. That means not here or not there when you get there. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. Woo, that's called accountability. Why do we need accountability? Because I have set before you life and death. There's your choice. <laughs> Welcome to Happy Sunday. You, you are the generation of choice. Which one do you want? Life or death? Blessing and curse. Wow. You know, when you put it that simply, it's pretty easy. Pretty clear. Oh, uh, I think there's only one answer to that question, Scott. Good. Good. <laughs> and uh, this is what I, the Bible is so funny, folks. I hope that you enjoy the entertainment because what does God do in the very next three words? Therefore, choose life. Okay, why? Because he knows that there are some morons <laughs> in every one of us that will say, yeah, I want, I want life and blessing in a minute. First thing, I'm going to go try this other thing. 
And God's up there going, what? No. Make the right choice. Choose life that you and your offspring may what? Live. And do it by loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him. For he is your life and the length of days. That you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. What does he say? He says, guys, check the track record. I've been saying this from the beginning. In fact, every generation, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, it's never changed. And I always get my will. It's going to happen. No matter what, no matter how far you stray off the path, it's my path. I never get it wrong. Now, you could become a casualty and you can experience life and miss out on things. You could hurt yourself and other people along the way. But recognize that'd be a choice that you made. And when you make that choice, you've condemned yourself. Because I've put everything in front of you for you to choose life and good. You get to make decisions, and I put the right decisions right before you. And I've shown you over a long period of time who I am. These are all positive things, right? And there's kind of implied here, uh, and you know yourself too that you've made a lot of choices that went south, that messed up. Sometimes even with good intentions, we mess it up, right? And that's marriage and divorce right there. I started off with great intentions and ended up in a place I didn't want to be. And then I messed it up on my way out of it too, right? What's he saying? There's a bigger statement going on here. You know who I am, what I've done, and what I said. Put faith in that. At the same time, put faith in yourself. What? Put faith in myself? Yes, put faith in yourself. God says that you remember your own track record. Have faith that you know your decisions mess up, that you go the wrong direction and Put your faith in both things. Compare and contrast and go, oh, this is easy. I'll take door number one and get it right. You see, we're animals of faith. And he designed for it to be that way within his perfect will. Amen? Well, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. I am hoping that you just got a tiny bit of appetite for Deuteronomy. I'm also hoping that you'll forgive me. This is the first time that we've been to it in 10 years. But you know our style. We do passages at a time, books at a time, the whole thing. Right? Uh, what do we do with this? Let's, let's have some fun. Uh, because I, I genuinely believe that throughout the Bible, you can find this in so many places. The, the idea of God's sovereignty and our autonomy. Well, how can I have true autonomy if God's sovereign? I don't know that one. In fact, I'm never going to answer that question. I will never, until the day I get to heaven, and I say, hey God, can you explain sovereignty and our autonomy? And I still won't have, get, give the answer. Why? Because it'll be given to me. Or, 
And here's the thing. He might say, I could explain it to you, but you wouldn't understand. Even the highest thoughts of man are but foolishness to God. Do you believe that there are things beyond your comprehension that you will never understand? Can you be okay with that? Because that's a faith statement too, right? Where do we put our faith? Well, I put my faith in the fact that he knows my name. Right? Didn't we just sing that? He knows when I call on him. Does that matter? Do you have faith that it matters, that something happens, that when we pray, that he is sovereign and I do have autonomy, that he can have a will as to where we're going with things and what's best and what's right and healthy and, and a blessing, and, and then we can choose the wrong way as well. And why do that? He does that because then when we choose him, now we're in a real relationship. Remember Pinocchio? What was the great song from, from Pinocchio? I got no strings to hold me down, right? We're going to get sued by Disney now, right? Why was that so exciting for Pinocchio? Freedom. Free at last. To have a relationship with the Lord where you're um, connected by strings and controlled the whole time, that's called robot. Or it's called slavery. I mean, and there's none of that sounds fun or exciting. Right? I, I got in, I got recently, and you know how we're watching stuff we never would watch because we're bored and we've watched all the stuff we initially wanted to watch, and then we watched some other stuff, and then you've, you've binge watched a bunch of shows that you probably would have never got your time, and now I'm running out of stuff, and I was flipping channels like looking for something to watch, and I saw Star Trek. A little something twinged in me. Like all my childhood's coming back to me, and I'm and then I realized, oh, this isn't the Star Trek I grew up with. This is the new one. And I don't mean, you know, next generation or blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. They tried to remake the original Star Trek with modern actors, youngsters, and they built prequels, right? There's like four of them. Chris Pine and uh, the dude that plays Spock, the new Spock dude. He's awesome, right? And Bones, he's hilarious. And I'm watching this thing going, oh. I, I got to start it from the beginning. I don't remember. I got to watch this. I get reintroduced to Captain Kirk, Spock. Such a great thing. And there's, a one, there's one little exchange in one of the movies, and I won't tell you what it is because I'm going to force you to watch all four to figure out which one it is, okay? Um, because I want the franchise to continue, right? Um, and no, I wasn't paid to do that. Uh, Bones, I think it's Bones or Captain, one of the two says something about having an argument with Spock or somebody, I can't remember. He says, uh, I'm not going to have an emotional conversation with a robot. And I just, ooh, that's weird. This idea that, that there would be limitations beyond your control and that you'd have no control. Rough. Now, it's inaccurate because Spock has emotions. He's half human. Right? Okay, let's jump out of that analogy because I'm going to lose some people. Right? Um, here's the deal. Pinocchio got excited when there were no more strings anymore. Why? Because now he has freedom. I got no strings to hold me down. And we kind of look at that as people. Uh, by the way, the whole Pinocchio thing is an analogy of God in our relationship. 
You know, Disney would never want to uh, admit that, but if you do a little research and then you watch the analogy, and it's, it's pretty clear. Problems of sin, a, a father figure that's trying to take care of you, created you, guided you for a while, then set you free. You go off and get lost, and then you're a prodigal son, and you return. Okay, I hope you're catching it. How great that Pinocchio comes back and wants to have a relationship with his dad. Goes off and has his learning curve and says, boy, that's not so fun, not even getting to eat the slop out of the pig's tray. I will return to my father. And I will ask him, hey, can I just be one of the servants? That's the story uh, from part of the good um, prodigal son, right? One of the great things about how God is designed for this whole thing within his will is that we have the opportunity to choose him back. Last week, one of the great things from last week, I was, uh, uh, indulge me for a second while I be kind of prideful, not prideful, but like, just like pat myself on the back. I was so excited. that Like last week, one of the things we said is God made a decision about you. You were a decision God made. That was one of our fill-ins, that sentence last week. And I was so excited and still am so excited about that phrase. You were a decision that God made. And one of the beauties of that last week is it talks about our value, his intention for who we're supposed to be and why we're perfect exactly the way he created us. What a great statement about us. And then flip over to this week and he wants us to be able to be, for him to be a decision that we make. Oh, that's so beautiful. Mutual relationship, right? That's what you want for your marriage. Working relationship, that's what you want with your kids. You want to have a mutual relationship. For me, when I think about it relationally, his control and my free will makes absolute sense when you think about it relationally. If you want to think about it like logic class or science, it does not compute. That is illogical. No, don't go Spock on some of the theology because there's too much relational in it. Let the half-human side of you engage the heart, what's already there, and let it in through your mouth. You take it in and understand what's going on here. Then the first fill-in makes a lot of sense. God's grace gives, right, three Gs. God's grace gives us three Fs. Ready? Three Gs gives us three Fs. God's grace gives us freedom for faith. Now, on another Sunday, you come walking in, and let's pretend uh, you have, we have no agenda, and we're not tied to this day at all. You come in, and we start, and I say, what's the greatest thing Jesus did for you? You'd all say, boy, geez, Scott, I'm pretty sure it was his death on the cross and forgiveness of my sin, and yes, great. What if you could not choose that? You see, I want to argue at the same time, you know, well, isn't the fact that he gives you ability to choose him back and make a decision about the cross never forces your hand? What kind of love and patience does that imply he has? I mean, folks, I have three kids, 
and I absolutely want to control every single bit. Like, man. And yet, they wouldn't learn. Never appreciate. And we wouldn't have a relationship. I'd be that father that they're trying to get as far away from as possible. My dad won't let me this, 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 this. I'm trying to look at parenthood some ways. Where I can be gracious to my kids and give them freedom. And then trust that they will have faith in the right things. Which is the example that I set. And I came up with that on my own, right? Say no. It's all throughout Scripture. God set this amazing example and says, now I'm going to give you the grace. Why? Because I'm going to solve sin for you. I'm going to show you that it's possible. Not, not just possible, but it's in your heart and in your mouth. In fact, you, it's easy and it's close. I've shown you everything you need to see. Now, do your worst. What a great dad. What a great captain. What a great experience for us. That we can trust that he's in full control. No matter what, he can save me, fix me, guide me, bless me. At the same time, he lets me put on the uniform, step on the field, and be a part of the team. I get to be proactive. How great is that? I see one of the problems with uh, people that swing way over to the predestination and God is sovereign in control of all. Even your, your ability to make a decision, he has predestined the decisions you're going to make. Anybody else's head spinning? You getting a headache yet? You know what the problem with that is? We become passive. Well, God's control all things and I don't need to do anything. Does he need to get what he wants no matter what? So I don't know if I need to go to church. I don't need to be nice to people. I don't need to respond when people talk to me. I can blah, blah, blah. Right? You just become passive. You'd be like Pavlov's dog that's been shocked so many times it doesn't respond to any behavior, any stimulus. What's the problem over here on the other side? Well, you know, uh, he's, he's not really in control of all things. Pretty much he, he kind of got the ball rolling and then told us what we should do and then we make our decisions and we're the master of our destiny and our, our fate and we got boy we got to maneuver our way through kind of what israel was prior to christ what's the problem with that over here you're passive over here you've become deity you become the god this is the problem of the garden and this this over here this is the problem of the garden Wait, Scott, you said that was the problem over there. Yes, this is the problem over here and the problem over This is Adam's problem in the garden, total passivity. What's the problem over here? This is Eve's problem. Yeah, I'm going to think I'm going to take control of this whole thing. Which one was worse? Don't bait me. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't make me make a choice between those. Why? Because they're both. Oh. So I need his grace. Give me the freedom. To balance between, yes, he's in total control, and yes, I can make a choice. Then it starts to make sense. I mean, I want to go to that church. I want to have that God. Because now i got hope. And it's exciting. There's bold new missions to seek out new worlds and new civilizations. Right? It's just a normal life. Right? Which that, that whole thing's an analogy for 
God too, by the way, but no one's going to admit that either. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, when did, when did choice show up on the scene? Like, why are we all the way to Deuteronomy? I mean, don't, do we have to wait even to the New Testament to get it? No, I've been trying to make the sale with you guys for 21 doctrines now. That all of our doctrines happen at the very beginning. So that he knows who we... we hmm. Can I start over? So that we know exactly who he is. Within the first three chapters, we get a glimpse, a glance, at what the major pieces are. And then he teases them out throughout the rest of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 2, it says this, uh, verse 15, The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. that sound like control? Sounds like slavery. Almost. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil you shall not eat. Sounds like he's still in control. Sovereignty predetermined. His will. Can't change it. For in the day that you eat of it, whoops, what just happened right there? See, prior to that phrase, God was telling you how it's going to be. And then he says, for in the day that you eat of it, he implies, you could take the fruit and eat it. Oh, and by the way, when you make that choice, not good. There's good. I defined all that for you. And then there's everything else. This is the not good category. And I've said this before, and I've tried to say it every time we get to this passage. The problem was not eating the the fruit. The problem was deciding against God. Putting faith in self. Putting faith in information. This is not a political statement, but in fake news. Right? Adam and Eve got fake information, wrong information, and they went with it. God says, no, you put your faith in me, period. And put your faith in the fact that there is bad information out there and there are ways to go south, there are ways to eat the fruit, and you need to avoid it at all costs. See, from the very beginning, God gave us choice. Implied with it is there, and then you know what happens in the very next verse? Next, very next chapter? Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, right? Where's that story go? That story goes to they made a different decision. Now we have proof of what was applied in chapter 2. You don't just have a choice. You have a will. And with your choice and your will, you make faith statements, faith decisions, and faith actions. Number two, faith and choice lead to blessing. Faith and choice lead to blessing. Verse 16, if you obey. That's where God starts when he explains about, you know, the options he's giving. If you obey the commandments and that I give you today and love the Lord of God, walk in his ways and keep his commandments, his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord God will bless you. God has made us so many promises. You know, the best ones are positive. The strongest ones, the weightiest promises he's made us are blessing. They're good. God has promised you that death cannot win. God has promised you 
that sin only has so much power. And God has promised you that you have a choice in all of it. Man. Promised you that Christ's death on the cross was for you. That's got to change everything. It's got to make it so that church just isn't a question somebody asks. So, hey, what are you speaking on tomorrow? No, I'm not going to be there. Probably won't listen online. Just curious, what are you talking about tomorrow? It's behind the curtain of conversations I get to have sometimes. Just weird to me. Lastly, (laughs) as basic as it gets, right? Maybe we're back to Sesame Street. Choose wisely. Make the right choice. <laughs> Life or death, right? I mean, we made the joke. Like, it's pretty simple. I think I know which one. There's only one right answer there. Yes, and yet, for some reason, we go dark all the time. We're, we're pulled towards stuff that gets our attention. Snap back at somebody when they mis- mistreat you or what you think is mistreated, probably you deserved it. God, how dare you say that? Because you had choices in how you treated that person. You have choices on what you think about. The Bible says, let your mind dwell on these things. Whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. You have choices about how you feel. Where you go, what you spend your money on, what you save your money for, right? A little shout out to financial peace. You know we have choice. We have a committee at the church about choice called the no committee. You can't join the no committee because when you submit your application to the no committee you know what they're going to say no right and we jokingly came up with this committee a while ago because there's a lot of most things the church needs to say no no we're not doing that no that's not us you have to protect who you are you have to be self-aware of your purpose and your design and i Folks, I hope and pray that you never got tired of the doctrines that we've been covering for who knows how many months. 20 different doctrines before today, some of them multiple weeks. Why? Because there are non-negotiables that make your decision absolutely clear and easy. And I hope that you weren't distracted by that. I hope that you're excited about the truth, the track record, the God that we serve. I don't know if you've been like um, keeping track at home, but pretty much every title, every doctrine has been God and. God and himself. God and his son. God and free will. God and your faith. Why? Because it's all about God. And when you understand those first 20 doctrines, It brings us to the last one, really. I mean, for me, it was symbolic for us to end on this one uh, because once you know all of that, you've got to make a choice. Got to make a choice about who you are, who you're going to be. That's why Joshua says to the Israelites, 
He says, you can be knuckleheads if you want. You could chase the culture. You can chase the decisions. You can chase what's most common, best practices, what makes everybody comfortable or protects their individual freedoms or any of that garbage. He said, you do whatever you want. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love that. And I don't think you can say it quietly. No, I think for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Oh, that feels like I just cheated it, right? Hey, if it's evil in your sight to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether it's the God of the fathers that served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are to. Where you were or where you are, you could serve whoever you want. You can do whatever you want. But as for me and my house, we choose faith. We choose faith. Go positive. Go proactive. Know that you're not the deity. And then have fun. Enjoy it. A little phrase that I'm using with my family. I don't think I've shared this publicly. It's called Next 50. Some people, I know Bryce knows it. He's probably heard it way too many times. This idea that I, I hit 50... And, and it's really kind of a faith statement for me. Knowing what I've known for the first 50 years, the next 50 need to be different. I will make better decisions in the next 50. I will invest in certain things, and some things will get zero of my time. Why? We've been down that road. Those were decisions I made in the past. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let people make statements about who I am or my value. And I give people absolute freedom to think whatever they want about God. Never going to force it on them. But I answer any question that they have. And we're going to have fun because I'm going to joke and laugh. There's a lot of things I'm not going to eat from the fridge. Because I sniffed them before. Right? People come up and... They want to make statements about who you are, or what you look like, or where you've been, or what you've done. Reject that. You were a decision that God made. And therefore, you have decisions to make. Make the right ones. Choose wisely. Oh, man. Dad, what's wrong with you? You got a dad bod. Look at you. You're getting big. Don't body shame me. This ain't a dad bod. This is a father figure. Go positive, right? James, shout out to you on that one, right? Uh, we have decisions to make. The most important one is the cross. And let's not cheapen it by calling it the cross. We have a decision to make about what, Mark? Jesus. Of everything that he's shown us, of everything that he's done. His ability to be fully human and fully God at the same time, early in our doctrine series. For him to know the sovereignty of God and his own choice. And for him to stand in the garden and say, not my will, but your will be done. Made a choice in alignment with sovereignty and then said, I've solved death, sin, the whole thing. Uh, what you can do about it? From now on, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. 
that some people want to argue about wine. That's not the point. Remember Jesus. The decision he's made, the control he has. I mean, you want to argue about wine? No whining. Right? Let's end on that. What you been whining about? What's your complaint? What's your discomfort? What's your fear? What's your hope? What's your excitement? What's your opportunity to be proactive? Draw others in. Let God be the deity. May you view all that you experience in light of His sovereignty and your autonomy. And know that they're not mutually exclusive. They actually intermesh in a way we'll never understand. But as for me and my house, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gift of faith. Help us to see it as a gift. Help us to see it as a blessing. A blessing that leads to blessing. I just, I pray right now, Lord, just that phrase. Because we all, me, myself, the people here, my family, those watching online, those not watching or have never watched, we all need a blessing that leads to a blessing. We need more interaction with you. We need better understanding. We need to practice the grace, forgiveness that you showered on us. But for those, Lord, with decisions to make or consequences from a previous decision, opportunities coming up, doubts, mystery. Thank you, Lord, that you know their name. You know when you call, when they call on you. You know exactly what they're going through. And I, I pray that phrase, Lord, blessing that leads to blessing. And we thank you that you are the greatest example of that. We thank you for this church, Lord. Pray that you would sustain it and control it. Keep the promise that you made that you'd build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. We pray for all the ways that you, you supply and provide for us as a church. We thank you for this offering and what you will do with it. We entrust all of it to you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.